all of my life, I have desired revival. I mean, I resist it often, and I do things that are contrary to experiencing it a lot. But most of the time, I really want it. At least I want to want it, I think. (laughs) Recently, I've just been experiencing a fire for God like I've never known before. God has put a passion in me that is indescribable. It's thrilling. It's exhilarating. And I want everyone to experience what I'm experiencing. I want everybody to know what it feels like to be revived by God. To know that abundant life that Jesus promised. To, to ignite a passion for God like you've never known before. To have that fire stoked into to flame and, and to have it move you to a greater relationship and a greater service for the kingdom and then to experience an ongoing passion for him and so uh, I started a series called Revive uh, in my church and with my Iron Men ministry and uh, I just knew I just knew it would just take off I just just thought that people would just be so excited to join in to, to really figure out how to have a passion for God. I thought there would be this pent-up kind of desire for revival. But there hasn't been. <laughs> and I've been so disappointed. I mean, I've been really, really bummed. And uh, I, I guess... What I've come to to think about just recently is, uh, like, I get it. Like, I I get why the response isn't what I would hope it would be. I mean, I see it in my own life. I see all the time that uh, I, I wanted to want it, but never really experienced it and probably wouldn't have gone out of my way to do the things required to ignite that passion for God. And so I get it. I get why the response hasn't been what I thought it would be. But I know, I know that God has placed this desire on every heart, a desire to know Him, a desire to have that relationship with Him, a desire to experience the abundant life. And so I press on. I'm just pressing on sharing this message with anyone who will hear it. And today, uh, I just want to share with you two stories, two men. One who uh, desperately needed healing and yet had no way to, to know how to go about it. And then another who... Who had an opportunity that he passed on. Today we're going to look at some of the barriers 
that keep us from igniting our passion for God here on Iron Supplements. So our first story comes from John chapter 5, and we're going to start right at the beginning, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. So, the question that Jesus asked and the question that the lame man thought he asked are two different things, right? I mean, Jesus asked a pretty straightforward question. Do you want to be healed to me? That requires a yes or no answer. But that is not the question that the lame man heard. What he thought Jesus was asking, even though Jesus asked a very straightforward question, sometimes we do this. We read into other people's uh, motivations uh, in their questioning. And what he heard was, why have you not already been healed? And so he gives the reasons why he hasn't been healed. And to me, they seem quite reasonable. But it makes me wonder, had this man been asked this question before? Or some other questions similar to it? I wonder if this was not a common kind of topic Uh, among people who he had conversations with. I wonder if this was not the question that uh, kept him up at night, that, you know, just spin around in his head. Just, why haven't I been healed? Seems like he felt like he had to, in some way, justify his inability to walk. Isn't that sad? To be in that condition and feel like you have to justify why you're in that condition. You know, uh, I work with uh, a lot of men who come from a recovery background. As a matter of fact, my Ironman ministry seems to attract uh, almost exclusively people who uh, come from a recovery background. It seems like those who who haven't come from that background uh, don't stick around very long. It's something about our ministry that is very attractive to people who have messed up in their life, who are seeking to um, get better, to do better. They, they really do want to be healed. And I personally um, 
have spent many, many years in recovery. And, and I know that this is a common passage that is used in Christian recovery and, and a common question that is used in, in recovery in general is, do you really want to get well? As if, uh, as if this guy's wanting to get well would have made him well. I think it's a ridiculous passage to look at for recovery um, because what it does is it does just the opposite of what this story does. You see, recovery, in my experience, focuses on the things that we can do to um, learn to cope with our issues in a healthier way. And there is generally a step process of uh, things that we can do to get better. Well, there was nothing this guy could do to get better. <laughs> it was beyond him. And I think his re- answer reveals that, you know, that, that this is something that was just beyond him. There was nothing that he could do to get better, to be healed. So when Jesus came to him and asked him, do you want to be healed? His answer, uh, you know, kind of revealed that truth. Well, there's, why do you ask me that? There's nothing I can do about it. I wonder if we don't treat people this way with their problems. Why haven't you fixed yourself? Why haven't you made yourself better? And if you are in recovery... Why haven't you gotten better? Don't you want to get well? Well, let me speak for people who are in recovery. Um, You know, if we could do it on our own, we wouldn't need recovery. (laughs) You know, if we were able to change ourselves, what need of God would we have? If we were able to, to change our behavior on our own, we wouldn't need recovery I think there's a great truth when you're coming to Jesus. And that is, my condition is such that I can't fix myself. I think that truth is a great place to be when you meet Jesus. And instead of saying, well... You know, Jesus, I will get there. You know, I'll one day the, I will get in that pool and God will heal me. And I have great faith that God will heal me. This lame man just spoke his truth. He just said, it's beyond me. And I think that's a great place to be where Jesus, when you're meeting Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus healed him. On the contrary, we have... Another uh, story where I think it's just the opposite situation. And that one we'll read in just a minute. Our next story comes from Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, so this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It was the question that I think was on the minds of every Jewish person in the day. Everybody in Jerusalem was asking this question. They must have been going around and asking um, all the, the rabbis what they, they thought was the way to inherit eternal life. What must one do to inherit eternal life? Because we see it repeatedly within the Gospels that this question is asked of Jesus and um, it's an it's an interesting way of approaching God isn't it I mean certainly from our from our point of view we understand that we are saved by grace through faith and there's nothing that we really do to earn our salvation but from a, a Jewish standpoint, someone who was brought up in the culture of uh, legalism and uh, the law was everything. And so following the law was was important. And so this young man asked from a very legalistic point of view, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, you know, I have to say that I kind of like his approach. You know, he ran to Jesus, fell down on his knees. He honored him and he asked his question and it is very interesting how much of a contrast all of that that I just said is to the previous story I mean I just said he ran to Jesus and here we have another man who can't even walk he's an invalid um, this man has power and position and status and wealth and the other man uh, was a beggar by a pool who had nothing. And uh, here in this story, we see the, the, this, this young man approaching Jesus, running to him and falling on his knees and asking him the question. In the other story, I don't know if the, this guy even knows that Jesus exists or who he is. It's just a stranger that walks up to him. Jesus comes to him. What a contrast. And ultimately, the, the, the contrast doesn't end there, right? The, one, the person who had nothing is the one who leaves healed and has a relationship with Jesus. And the one who seemingly has it all ends up being the one who walks away sad. And every time I read the story, I just want to go after this young man. 
and tell him you don't realize what you're throwing away. You don't realize the opportunity you're missing out on. You don't know it now, but your wealth means nothing comparing, compared to knowing Jesus. I mean, have, did you, have you ever stopped to consider everything that that man just walked away from? I mean, Jesus said, go, go sell you all you have and then come follow me. And if he had done that, just think of the miracles he would have witnessed. Just think of the sermons he would have heard. Just think of the opportunity to sit next to Jesus, to sit next to God on earth and to know him personally. I mean, this guy had no idea what he was walking away from. And I just want to go back and tell him, it's like, uh, you just don't know what you're missing. And it's unfortunate that even knowing all that now, and even knowing that, uh, you know, there's nothing that we can do to inherit eternal life, right? That we are saved by grace through faith, through our relationship with Jesus. We understand that we don't earn our salvation. And even knowing that, we still come to Jesus with this what must I do kind of attitude, like it's what is the minimum requirement for following you. I remember having a conversation, not really that I was uh, part of it first. I was privy to a conversation between two young men who were talking about baptism. And one was absolutely convinced that you must be baptized to be saved. And one was convinced that you did not have to be baptized to be saved. And they were arguing over the merits of what must one do to be saved. <laughs> As Christians, they were arguing over what one had to do to be saved. Do you have to be baptized in order to be saved? And they both looked over at me at the same time. It was like this break in their conversation. They finally realized I was in the room and, and uh, they looked at me. And they didn't even ask, you know, but it, it was pretty obvious that they wanted to know what I thought. And uh, I just looked at both of them, and then I asked the young man who was convinced that you did not have to be baptized to be saved. I said, why wouldn't you want to be baptized? And he said, well, it's not required. I said, that's not what I asked. I said, why wouldn't you want to be baptized? Well, he said, it's not necessary for eternal life. And I said, is that your approach to God? That you only want to do what is absolutely necessary? <laughs> you're, you're looking for the minimum requirements for following God? I asked him, I said, have you ever considered what you might be missing out on by not being baptized? The blessing that you might miss. And he goes, and he, he must have contemplated that thought for all of five seconds before going back and arguing with the man, the merits of, of whether a person had to be baptized or not. <laughs> Just totally ignored what I had to say. And man, I mean, what a terrible question. What must I do to be saved? And even on the, this side of, of grace and knowing that there's nothing, we still approach God this way. Like, 
What is the minimum I must do? And a much better question to ask than what must I do to be saved is what blessings am I missing out on by not just diving into relationship with Jesus? You know, it's obvious that this young ruler loved his money more than he loved God and that Jesus knew that and he revealed that. God does that with all of us. He reveals the things that are the barriers. And if you really want to know what the barrier is, Jesus will reveal it to you. But then that leaves you with a question of, do I trust that it is worth what Jesus is asking me to give up in order to know the blessing that a relationship with him would bring. And ultimately, I don't think we trust enough that the blessing is worth it. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that the blessing is worth it. I'm looking at a society that spends billions and billions of dollars on self-help. They're throwing their money away looking for love and looking for peace in their life and looking for a reduction of stress. And Jesus promises to give all that away for free. <laughs> he promises you an, a life of abundance that the world cannot provide like all the money in the world cannot provide it there's nothing that you are holding on to that is more valuable than a relationship with Jesus so it's so worth it whatever the barrier is in your life it's so worth it to evaluate what that barrier might be what is keeping you from having a relationship with Jesus? What is keeping you from walking with him, from seeing the miracles that he wants to do in your life, from having him speak to you, to knowing him personally? What, what are you holding on to that's keeping you from that blessing? And why wouldn't you want to give it up? Or why wouldn't you want to do the thing that might bring that blessing to you because you're trying to figure out the minimum requirements of what you must do to be saved. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some very practical things that you can do to ignite a passion for God in your life. Just very, very nuts and bolts, practical things. But today, I urge you to examine. Examine what those barriers are in your life. If you were to ask Jesus, what must I do? What ridiculous request would he have of you? What thing would he reveal about your heart that you might be tempted to hold on to that you might think are more valuable than your relationship with him what is it that 
you would have a hard time giving up to follow him. And when you figure that out, don't run away. Don't run away. By all means, even if you're having a hard time giving it up now, just reveal that to Jesus. Say, I want to have a relationship with you, but I'm having a hard time giving it up. And just continue to follow and chase his relationship with him until you recognize that it's worth giving it up. Because when you do, you will experience blessing like you have never known. I know the peace that was missing in my life for so long. I want you to experience it too. Okay, so next week we are going to get into the very practical things. Uh, some, Some just nuts and bolts steps that you can do in order to ignite a passion for God. And so I'm inviting you to... Uh, Check back in uh, next week for my next podcast of Iron Supplements. And I just have to say thank you for joining me today. I pray that it's been a blessing to you. And if it has been, I wonder if you might not be a blessing to someone else by just uh, passing this message along. Who knows what we might do to spark a revival here in our little community or maybe just in the heart of one other person. Either way, it'd be so worth it. Thank you, brothers and sisters. We'll see you next week on Iron Supplements.